Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We are here gathered in your name. We are here to worship you and bless you on earth as it is in heaven. You are the only one who satisfies us. Let's stand to your feet wherever you are. Stand up and worship the Lord. Tell him he's the only one who satisfies your life. Amen. I count my blessing one by one. My goodness, your goodness in my life. How could I ask for more? In you, I'm satisfied. Who can say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah.
is in you Lord Jesus you are the one who saved us from bless your name let's sing my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and his righteousness my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone.
cleanses us. Thank you for your blood and give us audience before his throne. We glory in the blood of Jesus. Let's sing to him. It's your blood, Lord, that cleanses me. Cleanse me once for all and continually washes over me day by day. Glory to your name, Jesus. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you for dwelling on the side of us. It's your blood, Lord. It's your blood 
What do you see? I see the King of Glory coming on the clouds with fire and the whole earth shakes. Amen? I see His love and mercy washing over all our sin continually by the blood. I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith. That's what I see. I see a near revival stirring up as we pray and seek as we go on our knees. Amen. Let's prophesy it. Singing it before the throne of grace.
limit you so you will not walk the walk of holiness that you ordained for you. Heal my heart, Lord. Heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things I see. Show me how to love like you. Oh, we worship your majesty. We praise your excellence, oh God. Jesus, there is none like you. You are worthy to be praised and worthy to receive glory and power and majesty and honor and dominion. 
You have redeemed us unto the Father. You have made us kings and priests unto him. You have delivered us. You have removed us out of darkness. We've been brought into your marvelous light. You have brought us out of a place of hopelessness. And you have brought us into a place where we now have everlasting joy. We are redeemed from who we used to be. And we are redeemed to a new creation. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory and honor. We have you in the inside of us. We have your treasure on the inside of us. We have your love. We have your power. We have your authority. We have your name. We have your righteousness. We have your wisdom. Oh, we bless you, Lord God. For you have made us ever so abundantly rich. Hallelujah. The riches of Christ. Your treasures on the inside of us. We belong to you. You are ours and we are yours. Thank you. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Thank you. Thank you. We are redeemed. We have been brought into the family of God. We have been brought into fellowship with the very Trinity. And we give you praise and glory and honor. And we worship your majesty. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's have a seat. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We are the redeemed of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Just before we give today and we bless the Lord with our giving, I, I believe the Lord would have me over the next period of time to paint the vision of of what it is we are doing, what it is he's called us to do, and what it is that you are a part of. And, um, you know, the Lord has called us to preach the revelation of the righteousness of God throughout the body of Christ from one end of the earth to another, and the revelation of the sacrifice of Christ, to literally fill this earth with his glory and with his, the knowledge of him. In Isaiah chapter 45 and in verse 8, it says, Rain down, you heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. And let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. So God says, let righteousness come down. And as that seed of righteousness comes down, what will spring up in the earth, in every nation, is both righteousness and salvation which includes healing, deliverance, people being born again. And so again it says in Isaiah chapter 60, 61, I'm sorry, and verse 11, for as the earth brings forth its bud, that righteousness comes down, and as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown into it to spring forth. So the Lord is calling us to sow the revelation of righteousness into the hearts of believers. And what will spring up? Righteousness. So as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations, all people. So, you know, the word of God says that Write the vision, make it plain. Make it plain so that they that, that, that read it, they that hear it, will be able to capture it and run with it. So I'm just believing God for you to capture the vision. 
the vision of this tree that grows and covers the whole earth. And that tree is a type of the very sacrifice of Christ. And that net that covers the earth, what is it poor? What is it about? What is that tree about? It is also the tree of righteousness. The revelation of that righteousness that is to, that is to be spread abroad all over this earth. So when you give into this ministry, not only are you giving to the work of the Lord, yes, you are. Not only are you giving to, to, to us as a ministry, yes, you are. But you are also giving into that vision. What vision? That this revelation of righteousness will go to all over the earth, to every believer everywhere, and then out of it will spring up both righteousness, salvation, and praise to our God. Amen? So I just wanted to communicate that with you. Praise the Lord. And as you give, what happens? God will increase the fruits of your righteousness and multiply the seed sown, and you will experience increase and the blessings of the Lord in your life. Now, as to how you can give, the information is on the screen. There's a number of ways which you can give. You can go to our website and follow the instructions, or you can give by email and a number of other ways. Amen? Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But let me pray for you now as you are giving. Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for your children everywhere. And I pray, oh, Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, that they would capture the vision. But not only would they capture the vision, but that righteousness will spring up into their hearts. Father God, that they become so aware of the reality of this free gift of righteousness that you've given unto them because they have accepted the sacrifice of Christ. And I pray, Lord God, that as they give, it will come back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Father, I thank you for raising up partners all over this world that are joining with us with this purpose of seeing these truths go across this globe. So I thank you for each and every one of them, Father, and I thank you for blessing them in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Glory to God. Let's go straight to the word. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I'm titling today's message, Purpose, Eternal Life, Righteousness, and it's part one, and it's going to be folk, and, and it's going to end up in a place of all blessings. So it's purpose, eternal life, righteousness, and all blessings. All right, okay. But let me start off by saying this: this message is personal, but it's really about the will of God for your life. It is about the will of God for your life, you walking in the will of God, and the will of God being fulfilled in your life. That's what it's really all about. It is about the will of God for your life, you walking in that will, and that will being fulfilled. Amen. Now, I do believe, and I am believing, that as this message goes forth and as you capture it, that it would cause a divine alignment in your life. A divine alignment in your thinking and your believing and your speaking so that you would become so aligned with the will of God. 
It says in 1 John 5, 14, that this is the confidence that we have. That whatever we ask, according to his will, he hears us. And when we know that he hears us, then we know that we have those petitions that we desire of him. According to what? To my will? No. According to his will. According to your will? No. According to his will. Whatever we ask, whatever we ask that is according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we also know that we have those petitions that we desire of him. Like I said, it is about the will of God for your life. It's about you walking in the will of God. And it is about the will of God being fulfilled in your life. Now, as we go through this message today, there's a couple of things I want you to, to, to keep your antennas out there and, and be aware of, of some of, of the issue of, the, of, of glory. Be aware of, of the, your consciousness. What are, uh, the issue of your consciousness, your awareness, your thinking. And be aware of... Um, this particular phrase that I'm going to use from the foundation of the world, which is from before the world began. All right? Okay. But I'm believing for an alignment to take place in your life in harmony with the will of God. Now, this message, I believe, can help you today in receiving your healing, in receiving your prosperity, in, in receiving your needs met, in receiving the freedoms that God has for you, that Jesus paid for you to have. But I'm also believing that this message can plant you in the footsteps that God has ordained for your life, for you to walk in. So where your tomorrow is concerned, it's, it is about your destiny being fulfilled. Your destiny being fulfilled. Your steps being ordered in the Lord. His righteousness going before you and planting you in his footsteps. And as for the eternal future, or let me put it this way, this message is also to position you so that when the day comes and you have to come before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the rewards for the things that you did for him while living in this body, that he will be able to say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servants. Amen? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having a promise of the life that now is, see now is, but also... A promise where the life of that which is to come. So this is what I'm saying to you. This message is personal because it's about you. It's about your life. It is about your today. It's about your tomorrow. And it is about the hereafter. Your hereafter. Say my hereafter. Amen. Glory to God. We're living in today. But guess what? When tomorrow will come, it's going to be today. <laughs> and when he, and when and when and when hereafter comes, time shall be no more. <laughs> I don't know about you. That sounds that feels good. <laughs> All right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
So we're talking about living in victory. We're talking about fulfilling destiny. And we're talking about finishing your course with joy. Say joy. Now, I believe you can live here. I do believe you can live here. So, the message is purpose, eternal life, righteousness, and the blessings that come with it. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that there is a place where you can live. And if you learn to live here, there are things you won't even have to pray about. They're just going to be added on to you. The way he put it is he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? These things are going to be added on to you besides. So there is a place where you can live where all these things, where you won't even have to pray about certain things. They're just going to be added on to your life. All right. So let's begin by understanding purpose. Say purpose. God's purpose for your life. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I sanctified you. In other words, I separated unto you, I separated you unto myself. This is the will of God, even our sanctification. Before you came into your mother's womb, God says, I, before I formed you, I knew you, and I had separated you, and I'm saying, you're coming into this world, and you're going to belong to me. You're separated unto me. In Galatians 1, verse 15 and 16, it says, it pleased God who separated you, not just Paul, but you from your mother's womb, and called you by his grace. What for? To reveal his son. That's Jesus. To reveal his son in you. God's plan and purpose was that Christ himself would live in you and live through you. We're talking about purpose. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you become born again, Galatians 2.20 is the truth whether you know it or not. Once you are born again, it's no longer you that live. You are crucified with Christ. And it's no longer you that live, but it is Christ that liveth in you. And the life that you now live in this flesh is the life of Christ, and you live it by the faith of the Son of God. Now, the thing is, you see, when we align with purpose, things work right. If you try to use a, um, a screwdriver as a hammer, it don't exactly work right. You can bend it. You can damage it. When, you, when, when, when a thing operates and functions in harmony with the manual, in harmony with the design, in harmony with the purpose, it works right. And that is why from time to time we got to go back to the manual and see exactly how this thing is supposed to work. You have been created by God, for God, for Christ to live in you and through you, and that was what God had planned even before he formed you in the womb. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So it is for Christ to live in you and through you. But now you see, in Christ is the fullness of the Godhead. And so if Christ is in you and the fullness of the Godhead is in you, is in him, then the fullness of the Godhead is in you. So you are carrying around in your body, in this temple, you are carrying around the Trinity. You are carrying around the Godhead. You've got this treasure of God himself and all that he is on the inside of you. 
And one of the objectives today is to heighten your awareness and your consciousness of that reality of God living on the inside of you. Of Christ living on the inside of you. Are you with me? Now Christ in you is the hope of glory. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says, Know ye not that you are what? The temple, the sanctuary, the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God dwells in you. So let us begin to awake to that consciousness of that reality. Let us begin to awake that Christ is in you. Christ is living in you. The life you now live is the life of Christ. Now this life of Christ that is in you is actually what is called eternal life. I know we say everlasting life, we say eternal life, we say the life of Christ, and, and, but it's the life of Christ, it's the life of God, it's all one and the same. So it says in 1 John 5, 11, and this is the record that God has given to you eternal life. This is the record, and this life, this eternal life is in his son. And he that has the Son has this life, has this eternal life. And he that does not have the Son does not have this life, this eternal life. That is why you one must be born again. Because until someone is born again, they can go to church, they can memorize the Bible, they can do a lot of good things, but being in a parking lot don't make you a car. Being in church don't make you a child of God. You only become a child of God when you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord and he comes and he moves and he lives on the inside of you and you have him as your life and you have that eternal life. He that believeth passes from death into life, into that eternal life. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what the gospel is all about. So you see, God's plan and purpose was that you would be his temple for Christ to live in you and for Christ to live through you and for you to have eternal life, which is Christ and which is the life of Christ. Are you with me? So, and, so, and as I said before, you got to know that this is God's purpose. Christ living in me and through me. This life of God, this eternal life. Because when you are aligned with the purposes of God, things begin to work right. All things will even begin to work together for good for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So purpose matters. Are you with me? But you got to have the consciousness of it. Faith don't work just by in a vacuum. Faith has to have a hope, an image. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith will work far more effectively when you have the conscious awareness of the very thing that is the aim of the faith. Say, I got eternal life. Say, Christ is in me. You see, one of the things that causes believers to be weak and not strong is that they see themselves in themselves rather than see themselves in Christ and Christ in them. For ye are of God, little children, and greater is he what? That is in you than he that is in the world. But you've got to have that conscious awareness that when I show up, God shows up. God lives on the inside of me. I am his tabernacle. I am his temple. I am his sanctuary. Now, there is nothing, there, that's not vanity. That is not, um, what is that word? That is not arrogance. That, in fact, is humility, humbling yourself to the truth. Are you with me? So this is why Jesus came. 
This is why Jesus came. He came for that purpose. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sacrificed his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him and accept him will not perish but shall have what? Everlasting life. Might have eternal life. Might have the life of Christ. Might have God living inside of them. Hallelujah. This was also this plan of eternal life and the life of Christ, God living in you, true his spirit, you having the Godhead, this treasure in your earthen vessel. This was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. That is why when he formed you in his womb, not only did he know you, but he already had a plan in place. And this was the plan. That you would be his tabernacle. You would be his house. That you would carry Jesus around. In other words, it's like Jesus is going to be dis disguised. It's like, it's like Jesus walking around disguised in your flesh. And it looks like you, but it's him in you. And the more you become conscious and aware of him in you, then the more he's going to be able to shine through you. Are you with me? For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Say from before the foundation of the world. Right? Eternal life from before the foundation of the world. Titus 1 verse 2 says, Eternal life that, that God that cannot lie promised when? Before the world began. God promised eternal life. Before he ever said, let there be light. Before he ever created the heavens and the earth. He had promised this eternal life. You have eternal life. That eternal life is Christ himself. That eternal life is Christ in you. Now it is called a mystery. Christ in you is called a mystery because before, the, before Jesus went to the Father, rather let me put it this way, before Paul came and gave us understanding about what had happened, it was a mystery. It was a mystery to all those in the Old Testament. What was a mystery? God living on the inside of us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's a mystery that was hid in God from before the foundation of the world. Say before the foundation of the world. You are not an accident. I don't care, God forbid. But if for some reason you were born out of rape, you were born out of some kind of, you know, whatever it might be, you're not an accident. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. And his plan was to live in you and through you. Amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I want you to see this. Say before the foundation of the world. Colossians chapter 1 verse 25. Let me read from verse 25. Paul speaking. He says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship. According to the stewardship from God which was given to me, Paul. What for? For you. So to fulfill the word of God. So as to fulfill what God had desired. So as to fulfill the promise of God. So as to fulfill the word of God. The mystery. Say the mystery. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. Well, of course, it was before the foundation of the world. So it was from this mystery that was hid from ages and from generations. But now has been revealed, uncovered to his saints. To them God willed, this is the will of God, to make known what are the riches 
of the glory of this mystery. It is the will of God that you and I would know what is, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Which among the Gentiles, which is what? The riches of the glory of this mystery is Christ in you. Say Christ in me. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ and all that he is in you. Well, when you consider all that he is, man, that should give you all kinds of hope for glory. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2. Let me read that as well. Say before the foundation. Ephesians chapter 2. Reading from, reading from verse, chap, verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, going straight into chapter 3. In whom also you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And for this reason, you being built up for this permanent dwelling place of God in the spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation God made known to me the mystery, said the mystery, as I have, as I have briefly written or already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in this mystery of Christ. That Paul says that you might understand when you read this, how come it is I have such insight, such revelation concerning this mystery. It's because this call was on my life. And because God has revealed it to me. So I'm not just talking out of my head. I'm speaking and I'm sharing with you what God has revealed to me to reveal to you. This mystery. Say the mystery. So by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages it was not made known to, to the sons of men as it has now been revealed. Uncovered. How? By the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles, those that were without God, should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Partakers of his promise in Christ. How? Through the gospel. Through the good news. Through the sacrifice. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. It was not that I, Paul, was somebody special. It was not that I, Paul, was of, the, was of this particular tribe and that I was so educated. And, and No, it was or because I lived so pure and upright and keeping all of it. No, but God chose me and he's given me this revelation. He's given me this understanding and he's giving it to me for a purpose that I might reveal it unto you. To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace has been given. That I should preach and make known. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see, grasp, get an insight into, get the revelation of. Revelation of what? The fellowship of this mystery. Their part in this mystery. Their share in this mystery. Their participation in this mystery. 
that all men might see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from among the which which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. It was hidden in God, but now it's revealed. It was hidden away, but it was hidden for you and for me. This mystery. Say the mystery. What is the mystery? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hidden in him from before the foundation of the world. Say the glory. Now this glory is, has to do with the very excellency of God. It has to do with the very essence of God's being. Oh, okay. Anyway, this glory has to do with the excellency of God. It has to do with his, the, the very core of his being. Hold this thought. Put the glory over here. Okay, can you hold this here for a bit? We're going to come back and get it in a little while. But let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say glory to God. Ha, ha, ha. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's pick it up. Let's just, oh, let's just take verse 7. Verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Say the mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for your glory. Which God had ordained. God had ordained this, this mystery, Christ in you, for your glory. For your glory. For your glory. Say for my glory. Now, when you consider, it says in Psalm, um, Isaiah 35 and verse 2, and it speaks about the glory of God, the excellency of God. So this glory that has been ordained for you, this has been ordained for your glory, it is for your excellence. It is for your perfection. That glory is the essence of God's being. That glory includes healing, deliverance, prosperity, wholeness, the blessings of the Lord, the, the, the manifested goodness of God that is beyond measure. That is why in Ephesians 3, 8, Paul calls it the unsearchable riches of Christ, the unfathomable. That sounds good. Beyond one's imagination, above and beyond what you could ever ask or think. It is intensely, incredibly, um, infinitely rich. And you've got that all in your spirit. Oh man, like, I mean, think about, about this. Man, you and I are so rich. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And this mystery that God that had, had kept to himself, this hidden wisdom, and Christ is the wisdom of God, was for your glory. It is so that you could come into this. So what is the conclusion of this whole matter, of this particular element? It is that the purpose of God is eternal life is for you to carry around that life of God, that life of Christ on the inside of you. And as you become aligned with the, with the reality of that purpose, what happens? Romans 8 verse 28. All things work together for good for everybody? No. All things don't work together for good for everyone at all times. No. It works together for good for them that love God and are called according to purpose. Being in line with purpose. Like I said, it is about the will of God for your life. 
It's about you walking in the will of God, and it is about the will of God being fulfilled with your life. The will of God, not your will, not my will, but your will, but his will. Glory to God. When you are in line with purpose, now listen to this. We talk about the glory and, how, uh, uh, and what's involved in that glory. The, the goodness of God, the excessiveness of God, the excellency of God, the healing, the deliverance, the prosperity, the wisdom. All of that stuff that is in the glory, the unsearchable riches of Christ. In that glory, it, 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 you could call all of those things that are in the glory is your inheritance. Which means what? You've got a right to it. It is your inheritance. What has qualified you for that inheritance? Is it your goodness? No. Colossians 1 verse 12 says that you have been qualified for that inheritance and it will go on to say because of the blood. Say the blood. Because of the sacrifice of Christ. Hebrews chapter um, 9, if you read from verse 15 to 20, you could take some time and read it. But listen to how that, the essence of what it says is this. Here is a man. Here is a very wealthy, 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 oh, wealthy, 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 wealthy person. And this wealthy person is called God. Are you with me? How wealthy is God? And this wealthy person called God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And they call his name Jesus. But when this wealthy person died, he became, he was rich and he became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. When this wealthy person, Jesus, God in the flesh died, when he died, he made a will. And in this will, all that belonged to him was, I don't know what the, the, the legal term, but all that was involved in the will he put your name in the will that once he dies, all the inheritance, you've got a right to it. But you cannot get any of the inheritance unless the one that makes the will dies. All right? But once the one that makes the will dies, guess what? The will is enforced. Listen to this verse of scripture. Hebrews chapter 9, reading from verse 15. I said I wasn't going to read it, but I'm reading it. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, a new will, by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Not just meaning eternal in the future, but meaning including eternal, meaning perfect. For where there is a will, a testament, Old Testament, New Testament, old will, new will. Where there is a testament or a will, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. It's necessary that the one that makes the will dies. Say dies. Because you see, a will is not enforced until after the men are dead. And it has no power at all. While the one that makes the will is still alive. Got it? But guess the one that made this will. This one that was so rich. His name is Jesus. He did die. He did die. And because he died and the blood is proof that he dies. Guess what? The will is in force. So the will is in force. So that blood says not only is the will in force. But because you have believed in him. It says, all of that inheritance is now yours. Say, it's mine. 
Say, I'm so rich. I was going to say filthy rich, but I'm not going to say that. Say, I am, <laughs> say, I am rich, rich, rich. So, no, man, this stuff is, listen, you have got to see this stuff from the realm of the spirit. You cannot, we, you got to walk by faith, not by size, not by senses. Because you might look at the, your bank account and what's in the bank account, which might be empty, which might be overdrawn, and you think that's the sum total of your life. No, that's a lie. That's, the, that's how it is earthly. The reality is, you are a joint heir with Christ. You are an heir of God. All things are yours. The inheritance is yours, not because of your goodness, but the blood of Jesus has qualified you. Amen? Now, when you begin to develop that kind of consciousness, out of your heart will flow the issues of life. And there are things in your life and mine that are going to begin to change and come in line with the vision, with the truth. The vision has a way of drawing provision. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, when you are aligned with purpose... There is more of the inheritance. More of, yes, you got to see this. More of the inheritance. All of the inheritance is yours. But how does it get released? You can have billions of dollars in the bank. But it's not automatic. The testators died. But you got to be able to make withdrawals. You got to know the account number. You can't be rude to the teller. <laughs> unless you do it online. <laughs> Are you with me? In other words, it's all yours. Know that it's all yours. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. But what governs the withdrawals? Listen to what governs the withdrawals. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. In him also we have obtained. Say obtained. We've obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose. Purpose of him who work all things according to the counsel of his will. We can put it this way. You have obtained an inheritance that is infinite. But this inheritance is released according to his purpose, according to the counsel of his own will. This inheritance is released as you become aligned with purpose. Amen? All right. The inheritance includes every good thing from healing, deliverance, wholeness, you name it. You have a right to this inheritance because of the blood. You were born again. First Peter 1 verse 3 says you were born again to this inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled. Faded not away. Nobody could break in and steal it. <laughs> but the purpose and the will of God determine how much of that inheritance that you'll be able to walk in and enjoy. Jesus said in, my, in John chapter 15, verse seven, 7, he says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Now, he was not just saying, if you, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, in other words, if you obey the word, you're going to ask what you will. It includes that. But when you become one with that word, when you develop the consciousness of it, when that word becomes, becomes engrafted into you, when you awake to this stuff, then you'll be able to ask in faith, nothing wavering, knowing that whatever is according to his will, he hears. And if I know that he hears, he ha I have the petitions that I desire of him. Amen? This inheritance is released according to the will of God, the purpose of God, the word of God. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says, Paul says, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the saints. In other words, Paul is saying, all of this inheritance is yours. But I'm going to commend you to the word of God. I'm going to let the word of God be your babysitter. And then through that word of God, you will be able. That word of God is going to build you up, build up your faith, you know, bring you in line with his will and everything else so that you will be able. You will, I commend you to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. And as that word builds you up, then you'll be able to come and take the inheritance portion that you need. It might just be healing. It may be prosperity. And if you don't need the prosperity, the body of Christ needs it. Oh, but I have enough. Well, get some more. God is giving you the power to get wealth. Why? So that through you, you could become a financial distribution center for the will of God and the kingdom of God to be built. So don't be selfish saying I have enough. Get some more and give it away. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. The word of God says, Psalms 35, verse 27, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Don't you want to give God pleasure? He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Well, give God some pleasure. Prosper some more. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen? Say, I'm going to give God pleasure. Faith pleases God. But what I'm telling you, as you prosper, it will also please him. And when a man weighs, oh, I'm getting off track here. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> Glory to God. Say, I believe. I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. So what is the message? Here is the message. It's about purpose. It's about eternal life. That life of Christ living in you and living through you. But it is also about righteousness and the blessing. We're already talking about the blessing. But say righteousness. Let's talk about righteousness for a moment, all right? Now, oneness with God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, All, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Remember the glory? Remember the glory? Remember the glory up here? That glory... It's filled with the goodness of God, the blessings of the Lord, the inheritance, the healing, the deliverance, all of that good stuff. But all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. From all of that goodness, all of that blessing, all of that prosperity, all that come short of it. All right. But then you see, Jesus went to the cross. So as to restore that glory. To restore it. To get you hooked up back with the glory. For you to be connected with that glory. You see that, that, that all of sin and come short of the glory meant separation. Separation from God. Because separation from God and from, and, and, and from the glory and everything else. But let me tell you something about that glory. How magnificent, how awesome that glory is. Outside of all of the riches and outside of all of the, the unsearchable riches and inheritance here, and healing, here is something else about that glory. That glory is full of power. Say power. Say power. power. 
God is almighty. A lot of almighty powers in the glory. You know, we, we, we say, and thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. It is. The kingdom of God is not just in word, but it's in power. What do you mean by power? Let me tell you about that glory. Jesus, when he died, and he became sin for all mankind, became it, became the curse. And was suffering the penalty and the punishment for sin. And he went down into the very depths of hell. When he went down in the depths of hell, he didn't go down there with the with with nature of righteousness and holiness. He was like the serpent. He was made sin. Are you with me? In the lowest part of the earth, in the very depths of hell. But guess what? The scripture says that Jesus was raised up from the dead by what? The glory of the Father. The glory raised him up. So I'm telling you, this glory on the inside of you has all kinds of power. It has resurrection power. It raised Jesus from the dead. When Lazarus was dead for four days, and his, and his sisters came to Jesus, Jesus says, only believe, and you're going to see what? The glory of God. That glory raised Lazarus from the dead. That glory is full of power. Now I'm talking to you about developing the right consciousness. You need to know that you've got that glory on the inside of you. You are no longer separated by it from that glory. Jesus said in John chapter 17 verse 22, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. What for? That they might be one, even as we are one. So that they might become connected again. Not be separated. All had sinned and become separated. But Jesus went to the cross, paid the price, and so that we could get reconnected. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 that Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. You say, but I thought Jesus came just to get us saved, get us born again, and get us a plane ticket to heaven. Yes, he did, but it was more than that. He came to bring Many sons to glory. To bring you back into that intimacy, into that oneness with the very essence of God's being, with all the healing, with all the holiness, with all the deliverance, with all of the, with all of the inheritance, that incorruptible inheritance, and to bring you in line with the power of God so that the same power that raised up Christ from the dead now lives on the inside of you. Now you believe that. And you let your consciousness and your faith get hooked up with that and some kind of silly sickness trying to show up in your body. Well, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead will draw that power out of your spirit and release it into every joint, every cell, and you will be made whole. Are you with me? Say, I got the power. All right. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This, this issue, um, this thing is about the, um, we were talking about righteousness there. Sin came short to the glory. Sin separated. Jesus faked it. Now we reconnected. Sam reconnected. Jesus by his sacrifice has restored the glory. And he has reconnected us with God. And he himself is the glory within us. He has brought us into oneness. Say oneness. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Jesus in John 17, 22, I've said it before. The glory you've given me, Father, I've given it to them. Why? That they might be one, just like we are one. I in them and them in me and us in you, and we all just one. That oneness. That oneness was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. 
John 14, 20, Jesus, red lettering. At that day, right now, you shall know that I am in my Father and you are in me. That oneness is the very centrality of what righteousness is. No disrespect, but righteousness has been taught within the body of Christ and it has been limited to right standing with God. And thank God it is right standing with God. Thank God that when you accept Jesus, you are accepted before him. And, but it's more than, that right, than right standing. That righteousness is oneness with God. You are so one with God that 1 John 4, 17 says that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. And it is not even that as Jesus was, but as Jesus is right now. At the right hand of the Father, sitting in the office as high priest, crowned with glory, having all power and having all authority and everything subject to him, all power in heaven and earth being given to him. That Jesus that defeated hell, death, and the grave, sport principalities and powers, defeated sickness and disease, all of it has reconciled everything to the Father. That Jesus, as he is, so are you right now in this world, in the midst of all of the mess that might be out there, in the midst of all the storms and challenges that you may face, as Jesus is, so are you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. You are one with him. This revelation of righteousness is the oneness that you have with God in Christ. The scripture says again, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11, He that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified, they are all one. And out of this oneness, you have his authority. So he say here, all power has been given to me both in heaven and earth. And all that power is in my name. Take my name. Take my name. I give it to you. Go in my name. Cast out devils. Whatever you do, do all in the name and in the person of Christ. Say, I have his authority. So this righteousness is oneness. So that as Jesus is, so are you in this world. This righteousness is the authority of Christ. This righteousness gives you a oneness with Christ. And you are a joint heir with Christ. You are heir of God. You are a son of God. And you've got all the rights and privileges of sonship. So that everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. So all the promises in him belong to you and they're yes, amen, and absolute certainty. Glory to God. You are a partaker of the promises by the gospel, by the sacrifice. Ephesians 3 and verse 6. Hallelujah. And yes, you are in right standing. But what does that right standing mean? That right standing means, first of all, Colossians 1, 22, that in God's sight, you are holy, you are pure, you are blameless. In God's sight, that, that right standing means you are just as if you never sinned. Well, what it is like if you just as if you never sinned? There is no authority of condemnation. There is no reason for shame. There is no reason for, for, um, for insecurity. So this right standing means that there is no shame, no guilt, no insecurity, no condemnation, no inferiority. How can you be an inferior 
I, how could you have an inferiority complex when you are born of God and you are a partaker of his divine nature and God lives on the inside of you and as Jesus is, so are you. Your identity is not your past. I don't care what kind of life you had in the past. That's not your identity. You are a child of the living God. You are an associate of the Godhead. You carry around God on the inside of you and you are complete in him. You are a new creation that never existed before God living on the inside of a man. Let us make man in our own image. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this righteousness, this oneness, this connection, this oneness. Now that same oneness, by the way, is also eternal life. The eternal life is the life of God. It's all of these things. But it's also that oneness. Jesus said in John 17 verse 3. He says, he says, it says um, oh, he said, this is eternal life. That they might know me. That they might know you, Father, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What do you mean no? Well, Adam knew Eve. And came Abel and Cain. Well, you know God, meaning what? There's an intimacy, there's a oneness, there's a, there's a, there's a union. And out of that know, knowing comes babies. <laughs> meaning, <laughs> meaning, meaning you bring forth fruits of that oneness, fruits of righteousness. That's as far as I want to go with that. But... This is eternal life, that they might know me, that they might be intimate with me, that they might be one with me. This is why it's called communion, common union. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood and be consumed with me, you can't have my life. One union, one union. We are partakers of him. Hallelujah. So this righteousness... And it is because of the sacrifice. He became sin. Why? That you and I might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Because it's all because of the sacrifice. Now eternal life. Listen to this for a moment. This righteousness came because of the sacrifice. He was made sin. We made the righteousness of God in Christ. But this righteousness, this oneness with God... Because of this righteousness, that's why we have eternal life. How you, what do you mean? Okay, the righteousness is the oneness. If the branch is one with the vine, then the sap and the life that is in the vine will be in the branch. So, because we are being made one with him through the sacrifice, no longer separated, then that life of Christ flows out into us. So out of that oneness comes the life of Christ. Out of that oneness comes the life of Christ. The scripture says Jesus is the head, we are the body, it's the same life. He is the vine, we are the branch, it's the same life. But it comes because of that oneness. You cannot be separated and expect to operate in the life of God. Are you with me? That is why he will tell you about sanctification. These people are formed from myself. And they'll be separated unto me. I am your temple. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Say the same life. He is the head, we are the body. In fact, hey, let me show it to you this way. Mm, I can't say it about. Okay, two quick ways. The righteousness, the life. The life comes because of the righteousness. Romans chapter 8 verse 10 says, mm, The body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is life because of righteousness. Your spirit has that eternal life, that life of God. Why? Because of righteousness. Because of the oneness. Amen. <laughs> so which comes first? The chicken or the egg? <laughs> Right? Which comes first? Well, the sacrifice comes first. And then because of the sacrifice, the righteousness. And then because of the righteousness, glory to God, we've got eternal life. Actually, we can go back further. The purpose comes first. And because of the purpose, God says, son, you're going to have to go to the cross. Sacrifice, so sacrifice. And then because of the sacrifice, guess what? We're made righteous when we accept Jesus. And then now that we're made righteous, guess what? We now have the life. And then guess what? What comes with that is the blessings. Say the blessings. <laughs> but let me give you one more scripture regarding this life for a moment. Galatians 3 verse 21 says, If there was a law that could be given that would give you that life, then righteousness would have been by the law. Now it's a tricky scripture, but you, so you got to stay with this for a bit. It says, if God says, if there was a law a set of commandments that I could have given you that will give you this life, that was his purpose, then that life would have come by the law. First of all, he didn't say that life. He switched it to righteousness. He says, if there is a law that I could have given you that would give you life, then righteousness would have come by the law. And he just substituted life for righteousness. How could he do that? Because, remember, chicken and the egg? <laughs> The righteousness comes, here comes the life. All right, anyway, feed on that for a little bit. Romans 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin, the wages of sin is death, that's separation. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Why? Because of that oneness. The sacrifice, the oneness, the righteousness, boom, here comes the eternal life. All right. So let's go to the final point. Where this message is concerned, the blessings about the about purpose, eternal life, righteousness, and the blessings. My apologies for whatever digging my nose. Sorry, my apologies. Thou shalt not dig thy nose while preaching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, glory to God. All right, okay. Let me let me straighten up back. Okay. <laughs> when you function in eternal life which is the life of Christ, Christ living in you, you live in the life that God had ordained for you from before the foundation of the world. When you are functioning in eternal life and you are functioning in righteousness, all blessings become available. John 10, 10 puts it this way. The thief coming but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have eternal life. I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. All the blessings come with that life. With that righteousness. Romans chapter 5 verse 21 says that grace flows through righteousness. Let me read that to you. Romans chapter 5 verse 21. So that as sin had reigned unto death, even so grace, that's the provisions of God, might reign through righteousness. In other words, when you're operating in this oneness with God... 
It's no longer you, but it's Christ that lives in you. As he is, so am I. When you're operating in that oneness, then what happened? The tunnel is in place, and then that life, then the blessings, the grace can flow. So what is the point? The grace flows through righteousness to produce eternal life, the God kind of life. Okay. Romans 5 verse 17 says, By one man offense, death came upon all men. Because of Adam's sin, because of Adam's sin and disobedience, every human being, death came, condemnation came, judgment came. But then because of the obedience and the sacrifice of the second Adam, guess what? Instead of judgment and condemnation, we now have justification. And Romans 5.17 says you also receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Why? That you might reign in this life as a king through Christ Jesus by virtue of that sacrifice. So again, all of these blessings come. Why? It comes with that eternal life. It comes with that righteousness. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why? Because when you receive Jesus, with him, God also freely gives you all things. Jesus didn't come and he just came with a shell and whatever he had, he left it outside. No, when he came, everything came with him. Amen? You know, if, if, if the queen, of, or, 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 or really, England don't have a queen anymore. But if, you, if the king came and he moved into your house, what do you think? Do you think he's going to bring his bodyguards? Do you think he's going to bring his own furniture? Do you think he's going to bring the things that, that he likes? Yes. And you should let him. <laughs> so when Jesus came, he brought all things with him. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you all things. So you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. It all comes with him. It all comes with righteousness. It all comes with eternal life. The very eternal life is the nature of God. And I know there's many avenues for, the, for the eternal life. It's the oneness with God. It's, it's this, it's that. But it's also the nature of God. The scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, how that you have God has given you great and precious promises so that with these promises, you can take the part of the divine nature that you need. He might give you, by his stripes you are healed. I will restore unto you health so you can take that healing portion. Or whatever it might be. That's why the promises. The promises can get you to open up whatever compartment that has the corresponding grace and supply. Amen? The promises is, is not something, is, is, it doesn't have nothing to do with begging. The promise says this is what you already got. This way you can define it. Amen? Psalms 84 verse 11 says, um, God says that there is no good thing. No good thing, no blessing that he's going to hold back on you if you walk uprightly. What do you mean walk uprightly? Perfect? No, it means to walk upright in the gospel. If you walk upright in the sacrifice. If you walk upright in this righteousness. He says, you name it, I'll give it to you. You can have it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now when we look at healing, we will see. We live on to righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. We will see. The body dead because of sin, spirit is life because of righteousness. We will see righteousness delivers from death. And so if we have time, we're not going to go there today. We can now see with righteousness, here is healing. With righteousness, here is prosperity. With eternal life. And we could keep finding all of these blessings hooked up to what? Hooked up to righteousness, hooked up to eternal life, and hooked up to the purpose of God. Amen? So what is the conclusion? For now, 
the conclusion is, given all of these things, what, what do we do? What do we do? What do we say to all of these things? Well, this is a good place to start. You must awake. You must develop the right consciousness. You must develop a consciousness of his will, of his purpose. This is why I'm here. This is why I was born. This is the reason for my existence. You must develop that consciousness. You must develop the consciousness of that eternal life. You know the scripture says in 1 John 5 and verse 13. This is John writing to the, to the disciples. And he says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you might know that you have eternal life. John is writing to believers that believe in the name of the Son of God. I mean, they're born again. And he says, these things I'm writing to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life. Does it mean, could it be that they didn't know? What is this talk? In other words, John was saying to them, I'm writing to you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you might become aware and conscious that you do have eternal life because the the chances are they didn't have that consciousness. That he had to tell them. Amen? <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes there could be something in my beard. And I might not be aware of it until I look in the mirror. Are you with me? Well, there are some things that you've got and you're not going to be aware until you look into the mirror of the word of God. And then when you look into the mirror of the word of God and you see you have this eternal life. You see you have this righteousness. Don't walk away from the mirror. And forget what you saw. That's what, that is what James 1.25 says. Be a doer. Don't walk away and forget what you saw. And if you will not forget what you see in the mirror of the word of God, you will be blessed in all of your deeds. Why? Because you see, when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you, Philemon 6 says your faith is going to work. So the first place... Where you need to start is you need to develop the conscious awareness of his purpose. And become committed to his purpose. Become committed to his will. You've got to decide, Lord, my meat is to do your will. I don't care about about my own will or nobody else's will. All I want is your will. All I want is your will. This is the will of God. And you've got to believe and talk and think that way. Develop that consciousness. And then also develop the consciousness that I've got eternal life. Begin to see it. Don't see yourself separated. See that this is God living inside of me. Become God inside minded. And then also, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, awake to righteousness. Mean what? Develop that conscious awareness that you are one with God. That you are the righteousness of God. That you, have no, that you are free from guilt and shame and insecurity and all that stuff. That stuff in the past, that's not who you are. Develop that conscious awareness that I have the authority in the name of Jesus. If in the middle of the night I get some silly demonic dream that is trying to, that, that, that I want to scare me. Even in my sleep, I'm going to rise up and say, in the name of Jesus. You see, you've got to develop that conscious, that conscious you got to de- become so conscious of the purpose of the eternal life of this righteousness where you develop this consciousness to the point that it becomes subconscious. Did you hear that? You got to develop this consciousness to the point that it becomes subconscious. In other words, it becomes like muscle memory. 
So that it becomes the, the way you think, the way you speak, the way you believe. It becomes spontaneous. So that even in your sleep, something happens and you just find yourself, instead of getting scared, you find yourself saying, in the name of Jesus. Go, I said in Jesus' name. Some silly migrant. What you, migrant? Go! I'm the heel of the Lord. No migrant headache. Not in this head. I'm sorry. This is, no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> this is God's temple. He, but you got to develop that. It doesn't just happen. You got to train yourself. But I'm saying, where do you begin? Develop this consciousness. Get ready. Get ready. That's song that I want. Okay? Now, the scripture says, let me show you this. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 6 and verse... 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith that you might lay a hold on eternal life. That you might lay a hold on righteousness. That you might lay a hold on the purposes. Fight the good fight of faith that you might what? Lay a hold. Now that word lay a hold means that you might seize it and not let it go. Don't let the circumstances, the feelings, or the emotions cause you to let go of it. Fight the good fight that you might lay a hold on this eternal life, on this purpose, on the will of God. On righteousness, on the oneness, you've got to fight. It is not, not, it's a fight. But where do you start? Start with developing the consciousness. And for that reason, we're going to sing this song. And I want you to sing this song and believe it. And just so that your ears can hear it. That is going to say, I have the life of God in me. I have his love. I have his nature. I have his ability. I have the righteousness of God. I have the the, the eternal life. So let's sing this song together. And as you do, sing it from your heart. Speak it to yourself. Let your faith be connected up with this song. Let it be, uh, as we sing it, I believe in God for the consciousness of these things to begin to wash your heart and mind and for you to begin to develop this awareness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise you your Lord. Life, God. Your ability, I got to life. Hallelujah. I got the life of God in me. 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 Come on. I got eternal life in me. I got eternal life in me. I got a 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 life in me. I got
We've got these treasures in ordinary vessels. How rich. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. All right, so next week we're going to continue. And we're going to talk about how to develop this conscious awareness of the purpose, righteousness, eternal life. That's going to be part two. Amen. In the meantime, stay strong. Stay blessed. The life of God is in you.